morning. This is Table for Two with Naomi Nachman on the Nachum Siegel Network. I am so excited to be here today with two weeks to go till Pesach. I know <laughs> I'm freaking everyone out, but, you know, everyone's in the midst of all there or planning or trip planning or cooking or shopping or whichever, whether it's clothes or food, this is the hot time to do it. For those who don't know me, I'm Naomi Nachman. I'm about all the food all the time. I love food. I love to shop for it, cook for it, eat at restaurants, anything food-related. I'm a kosher personal chef. My business is called the Aussie Gourmet. I give cooking classes that cater for people for Shabbat, for Yontov, and, of course, for Pesach, uh, small parties. Anytime you don't feel like cooking, I'm your gal. hope you'll tune in and stick around and hear our show for uh, the next hour, we'll hear about my cooking adventures, kosher food traveling, and sharing of great food ideas that I share with everyone each week. But I'd like to hear about your experiences too, so please feel free to email me at naomi at nachamsegel.com. Join my fan page uh, on Facebook, The Aussie Gourmet. You can find me on Instagram, Twitter, Pinterest, uh, on my website, um, theaussiegourmet.com. Um, I have amazing guests today uh, on my show. I'm going to be having uh, Rabbi Moshe Elephant from the OU, followed by Susie Fishbein, and of course Michelle Conrad, who's going, who has invited me to join her Pesach uh, uh, tour um, in uh, Lake George. So we're going to talk to her for a couple of minutes at the end of the show. She's actually in um, Alaska. How cool is that? The frozen chosen community of Alaska. Well, I'm not going to Alaska for Pesach. It's you know she's coming. She's coming to Lake George. So we'll talk to her later on in the show. Uh, I'd like to welcome my first guest, Rabbi Elephant. Thank you so much for joining me on an Erev Shabbos. My pleasure. I know the busy, busy time of the year for everyone, especially for you at the OU. Yes, it's good to be at the program so we can rest a little. It's not as crazy as it is in our office. Yeah, I'm sure. Well, take a seat, relax. We've got to, you know, some time to talk about food. I, I, I've wanted to have someone from the OU for a while. Uh, Phyllis Kogel and I were trying to get something together, but I said I need to do something soon because the hotbed of conversation right now for Pesach, is that OU has given quinoa a hersha. I'm jumping straight into it, everybody. Okay. Okay, well, let, let's hear about all of a sudden why and the history. And Well, first of all, not that I'm trying to take your job, and I hope you don't want to take mine. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, but I never knew why everybody was so desperate to have quinoa kosher for Pesach. So somebody that's in your profession gave me the secret. Okay. It's not quinoa, it's sushi. Ah, what does that mean? What that means is as follows. As we know, um, Ashkenazic Jews, our custom is that we don't eat legumes, kitniot, on Pesach. And included in that is actually rice. It's actually quite interesting, a separate discussion, um, not what you started with. I was recently in Spain. Oh, cool. And Spain is what Sfarad is really all about. Sfarad is Spain. Correct. And we met with some of the leaders, rabbis and lay leaders of the Jewish community there, and they told us that the custom, supposedly, that Sephardim eat rice is incorrect. The real Sephardim, that means Spanish Jews, don't eat rice on Pesach. So how did this whole evolve? It apparently evolved in the Sephardic community. There are different customs, like in our communities, there are a community of different customs, and not all Sephardim eat rice. But certainly all Ashkenazim don't eat rice. And because we don't eat rice, and you can't live eight days without sushi... Loud laugh. I'm sorry. So you can't live eight days without sushi. I'm from the five towns. We have sushi on every corner. Right. So how, how are we going to survive? You know, bread is one thing, but now we're talking a whole different level. So what I've been told um, quietly, because I'm not a chef, is that they discovered that quinoa can be used as a substitute for the rice that you can have in your sushi. But how do we get the nori? Um, is that another question? No, nori is not the problem. The problem was the rice. Okay, so we can eat nori on Pesach. No, nori is not a problem for Pesach. So what happened was, now, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? So somebody came up with the idea of using quinoa. Yeah. And the question is, is quinoa kitniot or not? And that's what I'm here to talk about. Okay, fantastic. So, not that I want to turn you or your listeners into rabbis, but I have to give a little of a background. No, that's why that's why you're here, Rabbi, to okay. educate us. We want to learn. Okay. So what is the background of the custom that we Ashkenazic Jews don't eat kitneos on Pesach? 
Kitneos is certainly not chametz, because the only thing that can become chametz are one of the five grains, rye, spelt, oats, barley. So they can't, it can't become kitneot. It can't become chametz. However, what is in the category of kitneot, and the best example would be corn. Everybody okay. agrees that corn is kitneot. Two, there were two factors that came up that were the genesis for this custom. One is that kitneot typically grew next to grain. Right. And because they grew next to grain, the possibility of grain particles getting mixed into the kidney oat was great, and grain is chametz. The other reason they said we have the custom not to eat kidney oat is because all of these kidney oat-based products can really be made into products that look like real chametz. You could have a corn muffin that looks like a muffin made out of flour. The same, and anything that could be made into a flour, that could be made into a bread, that could be made into a cake, our minig, Ashkenazic minig was to avoid. So not a question of quinoa came up. Now, quinoa, if you look at um, any of these forum, any of our books that were written not 100 years ago, but 10 years ago, nobody speaks about quinoa. Right. The first time I ever heard about it was from Susie Fishbein. Which was how long ago? No more than 10 or 11 years ago. Right. So it's a totally new food on the scene. So we certainly didn't have any basis for... No Masora, right? We had no Masora. Very well said. I, we read, had, I read it from you at the OU magazine okay. <laughs> last year. Okay. So we didn't know what to do. And there were a number of questions that came up. The first question that came up is where does quinoa grow? Does it grow near grain or does it not grow near grain? Because if it grows near grain, it's a real issue, okay. obviously. The second issue was there were really three issues that we had to deal with. The second issue is, does anybody use quinoa to make products that look like hummets? Does anybody make a bread or a roll or a bagel out of quinoa? Not in America, where quinoa comes from, in okay. Central America. Okay. And the third question, which is also an interesting question, it's much more of a halachic question, is there's a custom on the table. We don't eat kidney oat. So... What is included in the custom? What is not included in the custom? If something wasn't around when the custom was established, how does the halacha look at that food? Okay. So to go backwards, the last question is the easiest question to answer. Because given that this is just a custom, it's not halacha, and like we discussed a moment ago, our Svadic brothers and sisters actually eat kidney oat, it doesn't have to be treated with the same strictness as something that's really chametz. And therefore, it, it makes it much easier. But the two other questions had to be answered. So one of the advantages that we have at the OU is that we certify 8,000 factories in 80 countries around the world. Wow. <laughs> it's unbelievable. So we have people, Rabbonim, Mashgichim, traveling all over, including Central America. So we went and sent one of our rabbis. His name is Shoshan Guri. I read it in the magazine. Okay. Yeah, cool. Shoshan Guri, who's originally, he's originally from New York, but he lived, he lived for many years and spends a lot of, in Chile and spends a lot of time in Central America and Latin America. And we gave him the assignment. Oh, nice assignment. Shoshan, get us the story of quinoa. We want the scoop. Right. Scoop for the OU. Right. So he, did it, and I guess he's probably the only person that agreed to do it. Um, I would do it, and I'm, do no, I'm no halachic authority. Right. Well, he's not, he didn't he didn't make any decisions. He just gathered facts. Okay. That's and he came fine. back came back with some very interesting information. Okay. Um, number one, he came back and told us that quinoa is not grown near grain. Why is quinoa not grown near grain? Because quinoa, and I'm not a farmer. But okay. what he explained to me was that quinoa could be grown on the top of the mountain. Grain can't be grown on top of the mountain. So they're going to many times grow quinoa not near the grain. Okay. So the concern of grain and quinoa next to each other are is not always the case. And I have to make a very important point here. Even though we're having this exciting conversation about quinoa, the best news that ever happened to Klal Yisrael. For pa- we entered a new food group into Pesach. 2,000 years after Lef- right, Lef- Mitzray, right. Okay? So we have this breaking news. Breaking news. But 
just because we're having this discussion, no one, no one should assume that they could buy Any a bag of quinoa that, and use it. You could only buy quinoa that's OUP certified, that has a reliable hashgacha. Okay. What, could you name some brands that you know off the top I know, of your head? The one that I remember off my head, we only have two this year. One I know is Perig. Perig, great. P- okay. Perig, we're familiar with that from Eretz Israel. Right. Actually, it's not from Etisrael. Nobody should get concerned. This, oh, is really? this product is coming from Latin America. Right, but it's under the Pereg brand that brand we know name. from Israel. And you could look, and I saw, I sneaked on your desk, and I saw that you have the OU directory. I do. And I love I think, this. We're going to talk more right. about this. And this I think is, there's another. I think there's another brand listed in the directory. Okay, I'll you see can, if I can flip to it. Can, okay, but there are two, there are only two brands, and you must look for that OUP. So we determined that there's certainly quinoa not growing next to grain. First bit of good news. Okay. Second bit of good news. We spoke to the farmers. He spoke to the farmers and asked them, would you ever make a bread-like product out of quinoa? And they explained to him, not that we wouldn't, we couldn't because there's no gluten in quinoa. So you can never turn into a real flour that you should want to make a bread or a cake in the traditional sense of bread or cake or rolls out of quinoa. All this information was brought back to us here in New York to our rabbis, Rabbi Belsky, Rabbi Shechter, Rabbi Ganak, discuss this. And given these factors, we were able to say, now if we'll have a company that comes to us and wants to have quinoa certified for Pesach, and we will indeed determine that it's not grown next to grain, and we will indeed be able to supervise that it's not packed, because the packaging is also very Right, important. of course, of course. Because you wouldn't want to package in your own home. You don't have on the same counter chametz and Pesach. Exactly. Food. It's no different than a factory. So we have to have Mashgichim watching that. And if we have all of those conditions met, we now have kosher for Pesach Kimwa. It is absolutely fantastic. It's such a nice addition. It's funny because I don't even eat rice okay. ever. I just don't like rice. And I'm particular with my sushi that shouldn't have too much rice and more filling than rice. Um, but I really do not like rice. So okay. my, for me, quinoa, which I love, I know it's a little similar, but I like quinoa so much. And now I've entered, you know, I can have my quinoa on Pesach. Absolutely. I have a fantastic recipe. I'm going to use this quinoa segue to do I have a segment called What's for Dinner. Okay. It's sponsored by our friends at Gourmet Glut. Okay. Which carry everything. Everything. From from the OU practically, um, and it's called a quinoa tabuli. So tabuli is traditionally made with bulgur, which is cracked wheat. So I, we came up with actually my cousin Shelley Serber uh, from West Hempstead, formerly of Sydney, Australia, came up with this idea. If you take quinoa and you cook quinoa just like rice, one cup of quinoa to two cups of water, and you boil it for around thirteen minutes till like a tiny little circular. Shape pops out of it. When you cook it, you'll know what I mean when you see it. I wish I could. Sometimes we have a webcam in here. I can't show it to you on the webcam. We don't have one today. Um, but it's, you know, it, the, the water dries up and you just fluff it like with a fork, like, like you do rice and you have it. Then you add in, you take your cooked quinoa, four chopped plum tomatoes, tomatoes, but I say tomatoes, um, half a red onion, a handful of parsley, washed and checked, and you can buy bodek, uh, parsley, uh, freshly checked, from um, either Bodek or, or whatever brands. I'm not sure. They're different brands, but Gormeglak has their own mashkichim checking fresh vegetables for you. Um, so they check the herbs. Um, and so you chop the, up the uh, parsley. Uh, you add that into uh, the quinoa, the tomatoes, the red onions, a little salt, a little of olive oil, ah, and uh, two freshly squeezed lemons. Toss it. You have the yummiest lunch possible if you want to, or, or dinner or a side dish or a salad. And, and it's really nice if your husband's going to work and he doesn't want to take matzah and crackers, make him a container of quinoa tabuli. You can use it as rice, as a stuffing, as anything. Brilliant. My wife loves quinoa. She's get, trying to get me there slowly. Okay. Yeah, I'm, very old, I'm very old-fashioned. <laughs> well, you know, I think it's so fantastic. As we said before, after 2,000 years, we've got a new food group entering our domain. Right. So, so it's, uh, really, we're really grateful to the OU for doing all this time and research it's not something that you brushed off. I've spoken with another agency. I had another question for them about some, a, a, a sort of hechsha on a product. I called them up and I asked them about it. And I said, uh, what do you consider quinoa? And they said, and it was just, she goes, no, it's kidney. Uh, and she just, you know, pushed well, it aside. You know, that was fine. They obviously had done their due diligence and they, they could, you know, that's how they wanted to go. But the fact that the OU was gunnit, which I think is the 
biggest cashless authority in the United States and maybe in the world. In the world, in the world. We're right, the in the world. Like, we're the largest kosher certification in the world by far. And actually, you're really touching on a very important point because it's very easy for us to take the attitude – you know, the, you spoke about the OU directory before. There's, there's a lot of food in there. Oh. No, no, nobody's going to be hungry on Pesach. And no, if they are, no. they should go to the hotel where you'll yeah, be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Pesach in Lake George. All right. So nobody's going to be hungry on Pesach. However, our attitude is that we have a responsibility to the Jewish people. And our responsibility to Jewish people is we have to get them the answers to the questions they have. So if there are people out there that want to eat quinoa and can't survive for eight days without quinoa, we have the obligation to do the research. We have to do it in a serious way. You know, sending somebody to the mountains of the Andes is not a trip that most people cherish. That's so cool. Yeah, all right, it's cool. That's talking about, you know, I always talk about on my show kosher food traveling. Right. That's literally kosher food traveling at its best. Check it out. Okay, so it's, maybe next year we'll you, do a Pesach program there. Yeah, or you can send me any anytime you need me to check out if a food product is right. kosher. Naomi Nachman will represent OU with you. Okay, we, we, we take responsibility. So, okay, yeah, yeah. So the reality is that we took this position, we did a lot of research and a lot of homework, and again, similarly, you know, everybody's speaking about Kitniot. And, again, the attitude at the kosher certification agencies here in the United States, at the OU as well, forever, long before any of us were born, was that we don't certify any products that have Kitniot in them because Ashkenazic Jews don't eat Kitniot on Pesach. We've changed that. What? We That's ha- breaking news for me right now. Well, you can look in the directory, okay, I, and I, there's a whole section of OU Kitniot. And it says OU Kidney Oil? It says on it OU Kidney Oil. Here's a question that something came up. You know, I, I cook for other people and somebody asked me, you know, what's in this on this uh, menu on your menu? I see you have Moroccan salmon. Like, what do you put in that? Because it's traditionally a Sephardic recipe. I said, well, the OU has cumin. They said cumin's kidney oil. I go, I promise you. It says O-U-P on it. Well, cumin is certainly not kidney oil because right. cumin is a spice. Uh, right, but I thought it was a seed. No, cumin, even if it's a seed, it's not kidney oil. Okay, so I was, uh, so I called out my rabbi, Rabbi Tzvira Bag from the uh, congregation based at Rami Yitzchak in Woodmere, and he did the research for me. Thank you, Rabbi Rabag. It's been two years, but I'm still thanking him profusely because to me, adding cumin spice into the repertoire of cooking just... Cumin is not kidney oil. Okay, everybody, you're hearing that now from the rabbi, elephant from the OU. Right. So cumin, cumin is not kidney oil, but there are a lot of foods that are kidney oil. And again, we Ashkenazic Jews don't eat them, but we have a lot of, a lot what? of brothers and sisters who are Sephardic and want to eat them. Not only do they want to eat them, you know, and I don't want to get into this conversation too deeply. Okay. They almost felt, um, left out? Not left out, worse than left out. They felt that we were discriminating against them. And they have a custom, which is their custom for hundreds and thousands of years, and we're just ignoring them. And tough luck, we don't care about your custom. So with the consultation of a rabbis in the Sephardic community and B rabbis at the OU, we now certify many products that are OU kidney oil. Again, you know, you could look at it in many ways. You could survive eight days without popcorn. You right. could survive eight days without bamba, but I guess some people can't. Right. <laughs> so if you're Sephardic and you need popcorn, now you got it. Oh, that's absolutely fantastic. So you could look in the directory, and we have a whole section of products that are. Yeah, I'm, I'm passing my magazine to the rabbi. Yes, okay. <laughs> I don't know. Prepared. I, I don't. I don't know it by heart yet, but I. I know you some, will know. I will know it by heart because by the seder I get tested on every page. I. <laughs> I and love I love this magazine. Uh, here on page 35, we have a whole list, a whole page list of products that are OU kidney oat and OU matzah shira, which is the same as egg matzah. Again, in Ashkenazi custom, the only people that eat matzah shira are people who are sick or elderly. Is that, that egg matzah? That's egg, egg matzah. matzah. Okay. That's matzah that's not made with water. It's matzah that's made with fruit juice, grape juice. And it, from a halachic perspective, it's very complicated because... If there's any water mixed in, then it can become chametz very quickly. So we avoid matzah shira, Ashkenazic Jews, unless you have to have it. Um, Sephardic Jews have a different custom. They have matzah shira without a product, without a problem. So you will find here an entire page of products that are either kitniot or matzah shira for people who have those customs. It's, un- it's fantastic. 
You know, I'm just taking a quick look. You know, I, OU Kinyot and OU Matsa Ashira products. They have a list. It's highlighted in yellow at the top. And the, it's actually with the article, the story behind OU Kinyot by Rabbi Nachum Rabinowitz. So, uh, I actually didn't read that yet because I was absorbing the, uh, Kinwa article. And I also happen to have loved the Pesach kitchen tips in this, which is fantastic. All my listeners love this sort of stuff. You know, uh, if you want to know how to make, Kosher Pesach confectionery sugar. You take a cup of granulated sugar and a tablespoon of potato starch. Voila, you've got your own homemade confectionery sugar. Right, because confectionery sugar, there is no confectionery sugar sold commercially that is kosher for Pesach because they're all using cornstarch. Right, right. Everything's got cornstarch. Everything you know, got cornstarch. GMOs, everything. Right. So because of that, we have all these products. Okay, I, and, I, and I like, you know, the fact that the OU is so reachable. Well, we're, in, we're very reachable. We're our number for your listeners. Yes. Is two one two five six three four thousand. Again? Two one two five six three four thousand. Besides that our number is two one two five six three four thousand, we have all year round we have two people. One is answers the calls all day that come in and believe me they come in. I'm all sure day. they come in fast all day, especially now. Well before now. I'm talking about all year round, you right. know. We only get 300, we've done a survey. Okay. We get 300 calls a week if Oreo cookies are really dairy. Okay. And the answer is, I want to hear from the They're OU. not dairy. The they're regular not. Oreo cookies are O-U-D. They're not ma- D-E. Is Jason, not, are you hearing this for the first time? Jason really Hagler, our engineer. So he's now hearing for the first time that you can have Fleischig Supper. And for dessert, you can serve Oreo cookies. Absolutely. You heard it here first. The plain ones. What about the other fancy The schmans? fancy ones you got to... Stay away from. They're probably dairy. Okay. But yeah. the regular, o- the regular <laughs> Oreo cookies, this is the truth. And 300 people a week hear it. The, f- the question is how we have 300 p- new people every week asking the question. Well, now unless it's the same people every week. Hopefully we have thousands <laughs> now listening in from our show. I learned about this when I was in camp. I worked in a sleepaway camp. I taught the cooking classes to the kids. And Rabbi Yisrael Sina from, um, Irvine, California, he, um, He's been there for about five years, and he was in Israel before that. And he actually told us that, and we were, like, flipping out because we were really excited. So we'd be eating – if we didn't like dinner in camp, we'd literally eat a packet of Oreo cookies for, okay. for dinner. <laughs> I don't know what your mother would say to that. Okay, my mother's in Australia. <laughs> okay. But in terms of kashras, so we have a person that answers calls all day long, a rabbi. And besides that, we have something known as the Webby Rebbe. The Webby Rebbe, I love it. The Webby Rebbe answers questions on email. And we get questions all day, all night, from people all around the country and all around the world asking questions. That's, I would say, 11 months of the year. Once Purim comes, all everything breaks, and the phone doesn't stop ringing. Woohoo! And we got people calling all day and all night. Baruch Hashem that people care so much. Right. We're so lucky. And we, and we, and we take this as a compliment. Yeah, and we you take should. It, that we've succeeded, that we've brought kosher to the to the masses, and that people care about what they eat, and it's not just whatever's put on the table is fine, or if it just has a K, or I look at the ingredients and I'll make my own assumption that yeah. it's kosher. People realize that kosher is complicated, and they and I tell everybody, and I speak about this very often, the kosher consumer that we're f- meeting today is not the kosher consumer that was when I grew up. I'm not that old yet. I'm not that young anymore. <laughs> but it's not the same kosher consumer. What do I mean? When we were young, we knew if we were kosher. Well, when we were really young, we ate, we looked at the ingredient panel. Okay, all we're right. Going to, we're going to go past that time. But what happened was we knew if they were kosher, we're limited. And we can't have everything. And then the world changed. And the people who keep kosher really want to keep a very high standard of kosher on one hand. But on the other hand, they want everything. They don't want to be told, well, if you're going to keep a kosher diet, you're going to be left with simple wine. So now our friends at Kedem oh, have hundreds of different varieties. And next week we have Jay Bookspam on doing a Pesach wine show with us. Okay. I mean, I was just in Israel last week, and we went to visit a winery, and I heard the most incredible statistic. There are 150 wineries, kosher wineries, just in Israel. Unbelievable. And they all probably have the OU. No, not no, yet. Not yet. We're working on it. <laughs> One winery at a time. I'm not sure if we want all 150. <laughs> but they all, they, they all supposedly, are, they all are kosher to one degree or another. Right. 
who are they selling wine to? They're selling wine to people who want kosher wine that aren't just satisfied with the old-fashioned wine that they had when they grew up, the the Concord and Malaga. So that's, that's the world we're living in, and we're trying to keep up with that world. And I think you have in the, the technology, we have OU apps. We have two OU apps, I believe, one for Pesach and one for regular. We have OU app. Our entire directory besides the printed version that you're looking at is on the web. In fact, I have a very important piece of information okay. to share. Um, More you know, drum roll? Do we need a drum roll? Well, I don't know if it needs a drum roll okay. because <laughs> it doesn't show us off that great. Okay. Um, one of the most popular, if not the most popular, OU Pesach product is, is Coca-Cola. Oh, yeah. Do you know growing up in Australia, they used to bring in a little bit of Coca-Cola. This is in the 80s. A can was so coveted. It was it was a fortune, you know, to to bring in. I'm sure the you know import taxes were very high and all that. But you bought, you know, my dad ran a Pesach hotel in Sydney, and some people from Melbourne, which is in a different state, they have a lot more uh, Jews and a lot more from Jews, so they had a lot more products, kosher products, and they would bring up Coke, and we would be like dying of right. So for for reasons that I'm not exactly sure and doesn't really make a difference. Coca-Cola did not make its way into the directory, into the printed version of the directory. But it is Koshula Pesach? But the OUP Coca-Cola is Koshula Pesach. I have it in my house already. <laughs> you have to look for it with the yellow cap that yep. says OUP. Very clever. But And we also don't only have Coca-Cola. We have Minimate orange juice. We do have those products are still kosher for Pesach. It was a mistake. You know, the mistakes always happen. Okay, listen, you know, no. we're, we're not Hashem. <laughs> right, we make mistakes. Even the OU makes mistakes. We try not to. And, and if you do find something that you're not sure about, call the OU. Call us anytime. We're happy to answer your questions. We even have staff people who have volunteered. We have such a wonderful staff of Rabbonim and, and administrative people who have volunteered to be in the office on Sunday and Monday, Arab Pesach. I don't know how the wives are reacting to it, but they're in the office answering Shilas. We're there till the last minute to try to help people with questions. We take our resp- we take our jobs very seriously. As a kosher consumer, I really can't thank you enough, especially being an Australian Jew who first came to America, and I was like 15 years old, and my parents took us to Disneyland on the way to Israel for my brother's bar mitzvah, special treat making a stopover. And, and we were starving because the kosher food wasn't so good on the plane. My, we're in Los Angeles Airport. Hawaii Airport was one of the stopovers on the way to L.A. And my mother found a product, Ruffles Potato Chips with an OU. And how would we have known that that was kosher? Because in Sydney, you had a book. You had to carry a kosher book. Now there are more products carrying the kosher symbols in Australia. But we're able to find, like, kosher products. My parents went on vacation to Hawaii in the mid-'80s. And they went to Hawaii, and they didn't know what they'd be eating. They thought they'd be eating tomatoes and apples all week. And they found so many products with an OU on it, even back in the 80s. So, right. Well, thank you. you know, we believe that the OU is a testimony to the vitality of the Jewish community. As we grow with more and more kosher food, I think it represents what the communities want, that the communities are out there asking for kosher food, and we're happy to be partners with you. Okay, well, thank you very much, Rabbi Elephant, for coming down on an Erev Shabbos. I really appreciate it. Erev Shabbos, Erev Pesach, really, for you. And I okay. uh, want to wish you a Chag Kasher for Pesach Sameach. And uh, we hope to have you guys on more and more. Okay, and, we're happy to be here. And I'm not too far from the OU office, right? Not at all, not Just at all. Just around the bottom of the loop of the well, Manhattan Island. We'll, we'll get there. <laughs> okay, wonderful. Thank you very much. Nice to see you. Okay, wow, that was really exciting. Breaking news from the OU. Jason is still shaking that he can eat Oreos, milchik Oreos, right after a fleshik meal. That's absolutely fantastic. So we, ha- we have um, a great segue here because we're talking about the explosion of kosher food and kosher food products. But I have Susie Fishbein on the phone who, who started the explosion of the amazing kosher cookbooks that is out there right now. And because of Susie, the OU's got more things to give certifications to because she's challenged everybody to be a better cook. Welcome, Susie. Hey, Naomi. How are you? Good. How are you? Good. You've had your own cooking adventures lately. A lot of adventures outside of my kitchen. <laughs> I am so excited to hear about that. I know it's, you know, a little bit before Pesach, but I have to share with my listeners all about Susie's fun kosher adventures she's had, I think, in the last, in a, less than a year, right? Yeah, the last few weeks, actually. <laughs> okay. Let, let's go. Where did you start? What was the... So, um, I just got back about two weeks ago from leading a culinary adventure in Israel for Jewish journeys, and it, and it was partnered with Amuna, so there was actually even some spirituality attached to it. Beautiful, beautiful. <laughs> and it was just the epitome of a kosher foodie's 
absolute dream come true. I mean, we stayed at amazing spas all the way from up north at the Carmel Spa to down south at the Bereshit Spa. Oh. Um, we were treated to just meeting the most incredible chefs. They're culinary rock stars like their guys that are on TV, Chef Mayara, Doni, Michael Katz, guys who have been for years hugely successful in the not-kosher food scene in Israel who have now both recently opened up kosher restaurants in Israel on par, on caliber, with their trafe restaurants that made them so famous, had cooking classes with them, uh, ate in their restaurants. Um, just we, we, It was really just like, for me, a dream come true. It, it was so exciting that by the night before the, the tour ended, we already were rebooked for next year, and we will be doing the tour again next February. <laughs> um, unbelievable. And so that's what I came back from, where my mind is looking ahead towards Pesach, is I am working this year for Ram Destinations at the Ritz-Carlton in Cancun, Mexico. That sounds unbelievable. What really caught my attention, because I, I do get called a lot before Pesach from different programs, yeah, but I what just, caught my attention yeah. specifically for this program, not only just the luxury, but the the guy who called me, <laughs> Jeremy Goldfeder. I know Jeremy very well, what, yes. What a lovely guy. Lovely. What, what caught me was... His excitement, his enthusiasm, and his specific desire to have me come because there's a culinary center yes. at the Ritz-Carlton. So I'll be giving cooking classes every day, um, but serious cooking classes. You know, not here, let's, you know, let's make a little guacamole. We're in Mexico. <laughs> a, a true culinary center and a lot of his programming. I mean, he has programming for everybody and everything, lectures, you know, from Rabbi uh, Kenny Brander, Sh- uh, Shmuel Boteach, Rabbi Gabriel Friedman, St- uh, Stephen Savitsky from the OU. I mean, r- really running the gamut of lecturers and the things that my kids are most excited about, like Edan, like amazing. Oh, really? Oh, you know, that's so cute. Little uh, the hotel itself is incredible. But for me specifically, to be teaching um, in, a, in a culinary center in really, you know, a, just a fantastic destination and just really something so unique that really, really caught my attention and how it's being done in such a professional way and, you know, with no expense spared and all they want to do is pamper their guests and make sure it's just a perfect, you know, yuntif getaway holiday celebration. So that caught my attention. So that that's where my mind is at right now. In fact, I just finished working on yesterday perfecting um, Passover tortillas to make like a pulled brisket, a Mexican kind of flavored brisket in not flour, obviously, but in matzo tortillas. Oh, very so nice. That's what I was working on yesterday for one of my classes. So, so, we, we need, yeah, we um, so need yeah, to... so really, really exciting things. And then when I come home and unpack and get everybody settled back in, and then I am leaving back with Naomi tours and heading in May to Provence, France. Oh, fantastic. I have seen Naomi tours, not Naomi Nachman. Naomi, what's her last name, Naomi? Naomi Goldberg. Naomi Goldberg. And, and her husband, Eric Goldberg, who really is the tour part of that operation. Yeah, that sounds incredible. Now, where are you going in Italy? So, actually, Italy I did with them, again with Naomi Tours, Naomi Catering, you did last, last summer. I, did right. the, I worked for them on the Amalfi Coast and the summer before that in Tuscany. Oh, my God. And I, I always say if, if um, Eric Goldberg was a Rebbe, my husband would be the Chassid. We just... We, we just adore him, his philosophy, his philosophy of being a Jew, of being a Jew in Europe and, you know, not wanting to have to, you know, eat tuna out of your backpack or granola bars, but really indulging in the foods of the local area. You know, what he does is he comes in and he takes over a hotel where he can have a kitchen, which gets kosher from top to bottom. And he brings in, like in France, he's bringing in a Michelin-starred chef to take over that um, that kitchen. So when you're in France, you're not eating, you know, schnitzel that he flew in from Israel. You are eating local, authentic Provence right. food. When I... we were in Tuscany, we were getting stuff, you know, that was in the ground 20 minutes earlier. The chefs were using their recipes that they make in their regular restaurants. They were just using kosher meat, kosher ingredients. So that's what's so unique about what Naomi Catering does in their tours is that they're bringing you the authentic experience with no corners, you know, slashed, but you're but you're doing it in a kosher way with minyanim and with, you know, the Jewish history part of the tour of the places you're going and seeing. So that that's you know, that's why I work for him. You know, I'm very specific about what jobs I, I take right, and right. who I choose to work for and loan my name to. And in all three of these instances, there are people who are authentic about what they do, have a passion for what they do, and it reflects in in their products. Yeah, you know, I, I cannot imagine, like, being in one of these places where, where they, you're eating the regular food 
at the restaurant that just happens to be kosher. Exactly. Have I got that right? And you're traveling. That so much, at least for a, a food person like me, that is so much a part of travel, of, 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 you know, enjoying the local fare and their, seeing their food customs. Right. Um, I just think that's awesome. And going back to Passover, what my kids think is awesome is they can be out by the swimming pool and order on Pesach a pizza from a wood-burning oven, or my husband could order. There's on, like a going to be on like Pesach. A, yeah, on Pesach, there's going to be a fire pit going all day, and they'll be having barbecue food available. And this is in addition to any food that they serve out of their unbelievable kitchens, you know, out of just all the meals. So <laughs> it's like nonstop from, food. It's, it's a good not... time to be a kosher Jew, I have to say. Yeah, nice. It's really nice. My parents ran a Pesach hotel while I was growing up um, in Sydney, and and the food was always good, um, delicious, amazing, traditional. Um, some, sometimes I would bring in some, you know, they had a kosher chef, a kosher caterer, but they would also, you know, hire us. Um, my mum would do a lot of the cooking also because she's unbelievable cook. Um, but they would also hire in some non, um, non-Jewish chefs who would make, you know, non-kosher recipes that happen to be kosher. Right. And so growing up, we had the great food, but it is not like what they do in America. It's not the 24-hour non-stop tea rooms and it, the it's, kiddishes. It's unbelievable and, what they do. And Ram really is at the forefront of yeah, I think the they, elegance and the heightened uh, excitement about the kind of food they're choosing to serve. It's not like that. Well, you can get matzo bride 24 hours a day. It's what they choose to serve and how they choose to present it. And, it, you know, it's stuff like that you've, you've never seen before. Right. Um, I think Ram in general, their, their food and their caterers are, are amazing. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, their, I mean, their work, really their bar mitzvahs, the line, their... You don't get better. You don't. You know, they're they're really on top of their game. And and you know, you say you know, I, I, my cookbooks have kind of raised the bar. Yes. I think kosher caterers have come. Uh, you know, they have. Ram has raised the bar for kosher caterers and for what people expect and accept. You know, for when they make a simcha. So, you know, I, I, yeah, I, I I agree with you. And and I think between the OU, you know, I just had Rabbi Elephant here from the OU. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was our first guest on the show today, and. You know, the amount of products that are out there now and the amount of amazing cookbooks that you triggered and you start and you keep producing um, and, you know, the, the caterers, everyone, we've raised the bar for everything, the cheeses, the wines. Yeah. It's unbelievable what we have out there. I'm actually going to be doing, I'm going away for a Pesach program. I just actually got called about a week ago, which was really nice. Oh, it was nice. Go- yeah, I was going to be home. Um, and my parents were going to come, but then my dad's not well, so he decided to stay home. Um, and, and then we got this call, and I said, you know, what kind of things can you do? As so I was talking to them a little about cooking demos, and, and then we said wine and cheese pairing, because the wines and the cheeses are amazing, right. and I want to shout it from the rooftops and educate Especially people. Especially around Pesach time when yeah. the cheeses are so fresh. Yeah. And the, the, the summer cheese, you know, this, it's the beginning of the spring cheeses, and spring mm-hmm. cheeses have just such a delicious taste, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Haka Aviv, you know, does so much right. for everybody <laughs> and everything that we eat and, and do. Um, Susie, let's talk a little bit about maybe another book coming out. Are we working on something? So actually, I just signed a contract, and I started yeah. a month ago working for Zman Magazine. I just had Gil Max on last week. Oh, okay. Right. I, I know that <laughs> he was... Marks. He is really, really fascinating. Right. He, he actually is not, um, he's not working on that project. Um, okay, because I know he was doing something with you at one point, right? Right. It, that didn't quite come to fruition, which is a dream deferred for me because working with Gil is truly on my bucket list. I think he is just he's, he was incredible. <laughs> uh, this was not the opportunity. I do hope I'll get another one. But in this opportunity for Zman Magazine, I'm doing um, a monthly column called From Behind the Plate, kind of a takeoff on my cooking coach hat. <laughs> yeah, great. And we pick an ingredient, and the Zman writers are going to be doing a background piece on it. Last month, we actually did covered wines, and they had a very in-depth look at the Barkhan wineries. And then Gosh. I was charged with coming up with recipes using wine, a red and a white. And I did um, just just delicious, like a, a fig and date uh, crusted uh, short. Uh, short rib made with port wine and then I did a Toscana chicken which uses like a whole bottle of Sauvignon Blanc with sage and it makes the skin just all crispy and delicious. So two new recipes. We're um, drooling over here. <laughs> every month. Uh, about to go in for a photo shoot actually on Tuesday to oh, do nice. the next three issues. Okay, very nice. So we'll be learning about farro, we'll be learning about yeah. um, cheeses for Shavuos. So it should be really, uh, you know, it should, that should be a fun a fun activity for me. It's about what I have time, you know, to write at the moment as far as recipes. And, uh, you know, 
things with Art Scroll are great as always, and you know there is definitely the possibility of another book coming. Yeah. But at the moment, I'm right wa- now, my plate is so full. Okay, <laughs> good, good. Baruch Hashem, your plate should Thank always God. be full with food and with uh, incoming business. Exactly. Um, I wanted to ask you now that Pesach is breathing down our neck. Um, for me more than anyone else. Yeah. <laughs> As I said before, we're in the full swing of things right now, um, you know, with about two weeks to go. Um, what tips can you give and share with a young mother or someone making Pesach for the first time? You know, you, you shared some really amazing stuff last year. Anything that, you know, we're talking about being, pre- you know, being a little bit prepared. Do you have anything you want to share with us? For this year I don't and remember what I said. Okay, year, I know. I, I remember. Is the same, and that <laughs> yeah. is, first of all, to not overdo your menus. Put it down on paper. Look at what makes sense. Uh, uh, you know, one single menu of one single meal should not be three main dishes and an appetizer and four side dishes. Think about when you eat in a restaurant, a main dish, a, you know, well, obviously not a car, but some something that feels like that on Pesach, <laughs> and a vegetable. That is a meal. Luckily for us, there's another meal coming right around the corner. So if it wasn't everybody's favorite dish, hopefully their favorite will come up at the next meal two hours later. <laughs> so really not to overburden yourself with feeling that you are a caterer on a buffet line. Um, keeping lists, keeping notes, uh, doing your recipes where you take them to 90% um, to, to 90% of finality so that you're cooking food that's fresh. I had a friend over. I have a show tonight, a cooking show. I do one once a week tonight. I have one at the, I think it's the, the Westbury Jewish Center or the Woodbury yeah. Jewish Center. I, I don't it, remember it's, which. It's, right. And I had a girlfriend who happens to really not be comfortable in the kitchen. And right. we were supposed to go for lunch. I didn't have time for lunch. I said, come over. I'm prepping. Just keep me company. And she was watching what I was doing, and she's like, now it makes so much sense that while your food is always fresh and while you're never stressed, I am cooking for 60 people tonight, but I took the recipes to 90% of the way completion yesterday. One of the dishes we're doing is Thai beef and cucumber cups. So yesterday, when I had cleaning help in my house, yeah. all of my cucumbers were peeled and scooped and placed between two sheets of wet paper towels. They're away in my fridge ready to be Oh, that's very clever. So that's... My cucumbers, my radishes, my sprouts. My dressing, they're already made, cleaned up in Ziplocs, put away. My, um, my beef for it is marinating. All I have to do today is sear it, cut it, and add it to that bag so that when I then go tonight to the, to the shul, all I have to do is put a glove on my hand, stick my hand into the bag that's with the meat, the sprouts, the radishes, and fill each cucumber cup that's already done. So okay. if I was doing that for a Yantif meal, that's exactly how I would do it. A day or maybe even two days before all of the components would be made and the item would be assembled. Right. Another, so, so I'm the, doing a roasted garlic chicken stuff with dried fruit and nuts. So yesterday, I roasted off all my heads of garlic. I made the dried fruit and nut filling, filled all the chicken, you know, you know, putting it under the skin, rubbed it with the roasted garlic. So today, an hour before the show, I will pop it in the oven. It will come out fresh right. out of the oven. They're eating completely fresh food, but it was completely cooked and prepped and cleaned up Yesterday. Right, so right. So today I can, you know, chat with you right, and right. not be a crazy person when right. I know I have, you know, a long drive and things to do. Right, so and, and really you have to get there before is, Shabbos. You have to get there before Shabbos, so you've got to try to, you know. Right. You're, you're very busy. So, <laughs> it's un- it's un- you know, it's a part of being calm and enjoying what you're doing, and whether that's your job or you're, you know, you're the hostess and you've chosen to take this on, Part of it is being in the moment and enjoying it, and you can't possibly be those things right. if you are running around like a chicken without a head yeah, and right. miserable and feeling like your house is a mess and you have so much to do and your back is breaking and your feet are hurting. There's no fun in that. Right. So if you are going to be the hostess because you you know love your family and you want to do it or it's been put on you or for whatever the reason – do it so that you can be there and that, you know, physically and mentally. Right. I, I agree with you. And we were talking before about my dad's Pesach hotel. My, my mum, before they started this, was cooked up a crazy storm with my grandmother. They had 30 people at the Seder and my mother fainted from exhaustion. Wow. And that was, you know, that, wow. that's how they started the wow. idea of doing a Pesach hotel. I mean, even though that, that, that was work too, you know, don't get me wrong. That, right. my, my parents worked hard. But but it was it was just way too much. And my mum's strong. She had stamina. She was young at the time. But right. you know we get a little bit overwhelmed. And 
and the menus, you know, on my, on my, well, um, that we do to ourselves, that whole menu is put it on paper. Look how yeah. ridiculous it looks when you see the length of it. Right. Think of it as a meal and that there is a meal few hours after that and then again tomorrow and the right. next day. And I tell my Pesach clients when we're writing a menu together for what we're eating for the Seder night, I give them it like a spreadsheet saying Monday night, where, where it's starting, Tuesday, Tuesday lunch is first lunch and then the second night is Seder night is, you know, uh, Tuesday night. So we has a, they have a shell of a menu and we try to fill it in. So we start off, you know, Monday night, you know, we and I tell them, remember, we don't need the appetizer because we've just had a Hillel sandwich, a sheet right. of matzah, a haroset, maror, and, and, and it's the clocks have the changed end, and it's 10.30. We don't really eat a lot of dessert. Dessert comes right around midnight. Well, Nobody really wants to eat a huge right. dessert. They yeah. certainly don't need a buffet of cakes. You need a dessert. People will expect something sweet at the end of a meal, and that's wonderful. A dessert. Your chocolate you do berry. You want blowout dessert, you know, that's really going to be loved and appreciated. Do it for one of the middle days. Right. Where people are actually hungry and yeah. awake <laughs> right. and appreciating. I, yeah. I use your chocolate berry tart. Um, mm-hmm. You know, that it's the... It's a pecan crust. Mm-hmm. It's a chocolate ganache in the middle. Um, it happens to be Pesach thick, but it's not in your Pesach book. And it's, right. a, it's an absolutely fabulous recipe. You can make two or three of them, freeze them. They right. freeze beautifully. They taste amazing. It's one of the most popular requested items I have is Susie Fishbein's chocolate uh, t- uh, chocolate berry tart. Um, it's in your kosher by design entertain. Entertains, yeah. And it's easy and it's delicious and it's just kind of like a finishing touch. Can I give to you an meal. even more, an even simpler one? What oh, I do? Oh, bring it on. <laughs> and at my shows for Pesach, I do a duo of truffles. Two little bite-sized desserts. A chocolate truffle, which could not be easier. You're talking about, you know, good quality chocolate. No, uh, chopped up and then you pour over some warm, you know, obviously parv, uh, heavy cream. Um, and then you roll them into truffles and roll them into cocoa, and you pop those in your refrigerator one or two days before your Seder. And pineapple truffles, which is the beautiful thing about those, which are just wonderful, gorgeous yellow truffles uh, made out of pineapple and coconut, those you store in the freezer. You could store them in the freezer for up to four months. Oh, nice. So now, that would be the <laughs> My first day of cooking for Pesach, I would make those pineapple truffles. And this time of year, you know, because of Easter, they sell those. They're like Rubbermaid containers that are like indented for eggs, I guess for like deviled eggs or I don't know what kind of eggs. And I fill each of those little compartments with a little bit of um, coconut. I, I plop a, a truffle into each one, and that's how I store it in my freezer. You, you serve them out of the freezer. They're not hard. Oh, they nice. never get hard. They're just, you bite into them, they're wonderful. But done, the first thing off your list should be your first night's dessert, which is the pineapple and the chocolate truffles. At the, at the end of the night, in a beautiful little martini glass, everyone gets a chocolate and a pineapple truffle, and that's all they want, and that's all they need, and you call it a night. Right, or you can just cut up fresh fruit. <laughs> right, that is true too. You know, my friend Chaya Frischman out in uh, Far Rockaway, she does great fruit platters. She's going to have fruit and sorbets available. So, you know, just keep it simple because it's a big night of eating that starts right. only at like 9 o'clock. Right, right. It's really starting late. Yeah. In Israel, I don't think they're changing the clocks for another week. After Pesach or something. After. So they have it right there in that they country. <laughs> Susie, thank you so much for joining me. I really appreciate it. I know so you have a very busy day. It's an air of Shabbos. You've got a cooking thing tonight too and, and Shabbos and everything. So it's really hard to uh, get out and, and uh, spend the time with us uh, today. Great chatting with you. Okay, great. And, and we'll be in touch. We'll have you back on. I want to hear more about this Italy tour. Thank you we'll, so much. And we'll try to get some of our listeners to come along. <laughs> Sounds great. Maybe me. <laughs> All right. Take care. Bye-bye. All right. Bye. Okay. That was Susie Fishbein, the amazing Susie Fishbein, who has done so much for the kosher cooking world, and we're very excited that she could spend just, you know, 20 minutes talking to us, helping us prepare for uh, the uh, – you know, Pesach, which is coming up. Speaking about Pesach coming up, I have on the phone all the way from Alaska, I have Michelle Conrad. Michelle? Good morning. Good morning. It's really good morning. It's very early in the morning for you. I know it's Friday for us at about 10 to 10 in the morning, so it must be much earlier for you. 10 to 6. 10 to 6. Wow. I'm sorry I got you up so early, but I just wanted to have you on the show when I wanted to thank you for inviting me to come to uh, Pesach in Lake George. That's wonderful. We're very excited to have you. 
<laughs> um, I, I, I'm like beyond, you know, the, the fact that this all worked out the way it did was, was really something very special. Um, so Michelle, let's just talk for a couple of minutes to share with our listeners. Uh, Pesach's about two weeks away. Some people have not made their Pesach plans. You know, we spoke last week about, um, you know, I spoke about the show about, uh, Lake George and, and the wonderful program that we've got, but I didn't have a chance to have you on until this week. So let's spend the last couple of minutes of my show talking about the wonderful program and the, the amazing food because we are a food show. Yes. And we have a lovely, moderate sized hotel. Um, there's about 130 rooms, 140 rooms that we're renting out. We have the whole hotel and we have Richter Caterers. Hi, I'm Richter from New York. Yay. He's doing a fabulous gourmet program. Um, he's bringing in everything. He's wonderful. The the kashras is covered by the Chabad, Lubavitch, um, Rabbi Labor in Albany, New York, Troy, New York. And it's going to be wonderful. We're very excited about it. Okay, and we've got you've got a, lo- a lot of entertainment there. Yes. We have, well, you're going to be coming. I'm going to be coming. I'm doing my wine and cheese demo. I'm going to be doing a wine and cheese demo as well as uh, a class, which I hope, yeah, women, men, and children will enjoy. Right. And we have Rabbi Shai Taub, who's a wonderful speaker, very popular, who speaks on psychology and lecture um, addiction. And he's got a best-selling book, and he's wonderful. People are very excited about him. He's coming. Um, Dimitri Salada, the boxer, is coming. He'll be yeah. doing demonstrations. Yeah, that's and really cool. Crafted with the boys, yes. We also have um, Ruth Devorah Wallen, who's also a lecturer, a woman's lecturer on um, life, you know, and, and motivation, wonderful things. We have a, a program. I'm very excited because this program also has a lot for women. When I've gone away from Pesach in the past, so lots of men and women are kind of just lounging, relaxing. But see, we have lots of content for women this time. I'm excited about that one. I, I love to hear that as a woman and mother of four daughters. <laughs> Let's speak about uh, the kids program. Well, the kids program is wonderful. And the reason I think that we really cater to the kids program is that the laborers, Ms. Um, Rabbi and Nahama Labor, have been running a girls' camp for many years called Jewish Girls Retreat. Oh, very nice. Um, yeah, and for years we've been renting hotels in different locations to run this program, but this year we've actually found a property to buy. So all oh. the proceeds from this program and all the programs we run are going to a building fund for Jewish Girls Retreat. So, so it's so, a home for, I'm sorry, it's a home for JGR.com, and that's what we're doing the program for. It's really to raise money for the building fund. So. So, I, really, I really like that that you're you're you know you're turning out a high quality Pesach uh, food and program and learning something for everyone and the profits are going being put back into the community. That is wonderful. Yeah, it's not it's not for profit. It's not going in someone's pocket. It's only right. only to help more Jewish girls, Yiddishkeit. And the interesting thing is the way I got involved from Anchorage. Yeah, yes, please tell me. Tie that all together because probably people are thinking, why is she in Anchorage, Alaska, talking about a Pesach hotel in Lake George? So let's tie it all in for all of our listeners. You got it. So my <laughs> daughter, Hadassah, has six brothers. So she's always wanted a girls, girls, girls. You have six boys? Years ago. Five boys? We have six, yeah. We have six. seven all together. There's six boys six. And, and Hadassah. Oh, cool. Did she come at the end? Yes, she was okay. the last one. <laughs> we finally got it. Beautiful, um, beautiful. She's wonderful. So she was always saying she needed sisters and she wanted girls. So I was looking specifically for a girls' camp. And I went to you know, our, our rabbi here, you know, Rabbi Greenberg here, and asked about camps. And they suggested this Jewish girls' retreat. So I schlep her every year from Alaska to New York to go to camp with the laborers. And she's had a wonderful time. She's grown. She's learned. I volunteered with them. And we've just become very good friends. That's wonderful. So, and you've been helping. The asked me for help. I said, sure, I'd be happy to help her. And especially right now, she's just had a baby. So mazel tov yeah. to the labor for mishpacha for on, on the birth of their little boy. Um, so, so can we just switch gears a little bit and just talk for the last couple of minutes on our show about the Jewish community in Anchorage? You're known about, you're known, otherwise known as the Frozen Chosen. Right. Chosen. We have, um, Rabbi, um, Yosef and, 
and Esty Greenberg have been here for about 20 years now, and they've built a fabulous community. Uh, we have bought a new building about five years ago, our own building, and we have a Jewish campus. It has a preschool and a, um, a preschool in Talmud Torah, and there's a Jewish museum here, and it's just wonderful. The only thing we need is we need a kosher grocery. We need a kosher butcher. Okay, so so how how do you get your food? You know, fly everything in. You fly yeah. everything in, like uh, and like your all right. your OU products. You know, we had Rabbi Elephant in from the OU the first half of the show, and and um, so you have to literally, you know, we're talking about all the products that are available around the world. No. There's not so much available no, in Alaska. Yeah, all the all the things that are commonly available that have OU, you know. Are on in the grocery stores. I mean, we can get product, we can get lots of dry goods. What we need to fly in, though, is is anything Hall of Israel, anything milk products, or any meat. So meat. you know, you can get cereal, and you can get you really can't get bread, but you can get cereal and other things here. You just for the real the meat and the dairy, you've got to fly that in. Right. Wow. So where do so, you get it from? What's the closest? I know I sound a little ignorant. But what's the closest no, 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 state? Seattle, Seattle right? Seattle, I, I knew Seattle, that. A lot of people, it depends on really where we're going. You know, what happens a lot, too, is we, when I, ever I go out of Alaska, I go with more than one bag. I take an extra two suitcases, and I go to a butcher, and, and I, I plan ahead and have them freeze it, and then I fly it back with me, or we actually order, and then it comes with a cold gold streak on Alaska Airlines. That is so cool. for shipping. How do you get from Alaska to Seattle? Because I think you can drive, right? No. Well, no? you could drive. I know someone that did a drive to Alaska. It's a it's a long drive. I mean, it's a couple of days. So. Oh, okay. You. I know someone you, that's done you it. Fly. Yeah. It's a three and a half hour flight to Seattle, and then from Seattle you can fly anywhere from there. So it's um, I I'm very used to flying, and when I got to Alaska, I was very used Flying, Where did you grow I'm up? Where did you grow up? I grew up in Long Island and Plainview. Oh, woohoo! <laughs> Shout out to five towns in Long Island and Plainview. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I went from Plainview to Montreal to Alaska. Okay, at least the Montreal kind of got you ready for the cold, right? <laughs> right, and Montreal was a wonderful Jewish community too. Yeah, I, I've been there. And I was so spoiled because you could just go anywhere and buy anything yeah. you wanted in Montreal. Montreal's a, a wonderful community. My mother's um, family... I've has a large family there. Some went to Australia, some went to Montreal. And my mother-in-law, Susie Zrill, Nachman, um, her maiden name's Zrill, uh, she has, um, her brothers live in, um, two of her brothers live in uh, Montreal. So uh, we, we, we've we gone there many times, not in a while. The last time we went there, went there was in the winter. And I said, yeah, we're not going back again until we know we can go in July. Because I think they have yeah. like July and then the rest of the year in terms of weather. It's it's very cold. They get a lot more snow actually than they, we do. They get more snow than you. So interesting. Yeah, because it's just I don't know why it's the, it, they're more in the interior, so they get a lot more snow. But um, it's colder here and it's longer here. It's darker here too, which okay. is really what. Kills okay, me. what time are you going to have Seder? That's a great question for this t- wrapping up for our final two minutes. Um, what time are you going to start lich benching for Seder? Oh my gosh, you know. When we do a community seder, they kind of do a little bit of an interesting seder. We do a lot of it. We do a lot first, and then we do all the things that are required after, because of the time difference. We have a lot of the kids, so it'll right. be it'll be very very late. Like you're going to light candles at ten o'clock at night, at least. <gasps> Can yeah. you imagine? That's unbelievable. That's so it's so hard to imagine. As you know, I've grown up in two different countries and never had that kind of experience. So you've never done. Havdalah the next day? Nah, never. <laughs> that is so cool. uh, you are coming back on the show. I'm like, can I hardly contain myself? You are going to come back on the show. We have to talk about this. Maybe we should do a show Friday morning from Alaska. Well, that would be fun. Okay. Uh, Jason, okay. we're going to go. <laughs> so, very nice speaking to you. Okay. I cannot wait to hang out with you uh, in Lake George, and we're going to bond and eat and drink and enjoy the wonderful Pesach program. That uh, Can I put a little plug in for the website? Yep. It's we've Pesach got about 20 seconds. Com. Again, say it again. Pesachinlakegeorge.com. 
and you can go there and see all the information and, and get phone numbers to call us and contact us. Okay, great. Thank you so much. Um, we will be chatting more and I'll be chatting more about uh, Pesach and Lake George on our next show. Thank you very much for listening, everybody. Thank you so much to all our wonderful guests, Rabbi Elephant from the OU, Susie Fishbein, who joined us on her very busy day, and, of course, Michelle Conrad out there in San Diego State, uh, San Diego, uh, Anchorage, Alaska. Stay tuned. This is Table for Two with Naomi Nachman on the Nachum Siegel Network, sponsored by our friends, Hod Golan, the height of taste. Shabbat Shalom, everybody. We have music right up until Lich Benching, sponsored by our friends at Kerem. Want to wish everybody Shabbat Shalom. Happy cooking.